Welcome back to the 2R1 podcast, where we study the Bible together as a married couple. I'm Taylor. I'm Elisa. And we're glad you're back. This week, we're going to do things a little different. We're going to dive into Elisa's recent mission trip. Last week, we were at the end of Mark chapter 2. The title was, What's It About? This week, the title is, Far Away From Me. Far Away. So, Elisa is going to be sharing with us, then later in the broadcast, we have a very special guest on the phone from Uganda. So, we're looking forward to it. Uh, enjoy the ride. We'll see you guys just a bit. You're sitting far away from me. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a little farther than normal. Uh, so this week we're doing things a little bit different, and this has been um, kind of a long time coming. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you said that you really wanted to uh, have have time for the Lord to speak to you about everything that you went through and everything you yes. experienced on your trip. So I don't think He'll ever completely be finished speaking to me about this experience. Um, there's so much that he allowed me to see, and he just impressed on my heart, um, not just while I was there, but before I left and since I've returned. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, I just think it's one of those things that will always be be with me, and mm-hmm. I hope I get to have more experiences like this. Well, um, do you want me to say a prayer, and then we'll get, or you, you've got some scripture you want to read? I do have some scripture. Okay. Do you, would you like to read it? Uh, I don't know what scripture there is. <laughs> <laughs> I can tell you. No, it's fine. You go ahead. Okay. It's Romans 10, uh, verses 13 and 14. And Paul here is actually starts by quoting scripture. And he says, for the scripture says, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then will they call on him and whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him whom of whom they have not never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? Mm. You ready? Yes. Lord, we love you and we praise you and we thank you, Lord. We thank you for uh, bringing us here and allowing us to be able to speak on your behalf, Father. It is a great honor and we don't take it lightly, Lord. I pray that you would uh, bring much fruit, Father, from all the things that you've shown Elisa and all the, the ways that you give us to be able to speak forth your truth. And Father, I pray that you would um, just continue, like she said, Lord, to reveal to her, Lord, what you uh, had for her in Uganda and the way you're going to use it to to prepare her for the next part of the journey you have for her, Lord. And I pray that you would bless everything that she uh, brings tonight, Lord. I pray that you would give her a ready thought, um, Lord. I pray that you would uh, use it to glorify yourself, Father, and to open the eyes of your people uh, to the next chapter of the Capital C Church, Lord, and, and our part in it. Father, I pray that you would just go before us, help us. We love you. We ask you to forgive each of us of our sins. Lord, wash us clean. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Okay, so it's hard to know where to start. Um, But I think from the beginning, when I first knew that he was calling me to go, I I got a lot of confirmation that it was, in fact, a real call for him for, Mm. for me to go. But I didn't understand why. Why me? And I think that's a question a lot of people ask at first when they're called to do anything. Mm-hmm. Why me? And I don't think it's because, I told many people this, I don't think it's because I have something special that somebody else couldn't have done that he needed me specifically over there. 
I think a large part of it is just the willingness to say yes. Mm-hmm. I think he'd call. Available. Yeah, be available. Um, but I think he called me ultimately for my own good. Mm-hmm. And I, I really do believe that he knew I needed to have this experience more than he needed me for the experience, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, because I, I know no matter what, his perfect plan will be accomplished. But the fact that he invites us to participate in something so amazing is an honor. Mm-hmm. And so when you think about it like that, how could you not go? Mm-hmm. If you get an invitation from God to to be a part of anything, any part of where he's moving. And that that takes us to that one thing I know that you've talked about mentioning, which is a mama leaving her babies, and, and it just seems a little... Yeah, because that was the hardest thing. Um, aside from first knowing for sure that this was not just me wanting to go, because I like to go. <laughs> I like to travel. <laughs> I like to see things. And in my heart, I knew that one day I would want to be a part of something like this for multiple reasons. Um, but I did have it envisioned when our kids was much older, where I, I wasn't leaving them as young kids, you by yourself with them. And mm-hmm. I knew they would be in good hands yeah. of you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but there's just something about when they're young and that even if it's a small chance that something would have happened to me while I was over there, that they would have to be you right. know, going through a lot of their childhood without their mama. Right. And that is probably a little bit of a side issue, but, um, you know, there's some, there's some parts of the scriptures that Jesus says and, and quotes that are very challenging, and some of those revolve around essentially being willing to give that up Yeah, and that's, that's what I wrestled with for a lot of time, because he has also given me authority over these kids' lives, right. and it is my job. He's assigned them to me to protect them and to be with them mm-hmm. and to nurture them. So I, I had to be really sure, and when I say sure, I'm confirmation after confirmation that this was what he wanted me to do and not what I was wanting to do. And then when I was sure of that, I still didn't have a wonderful instant peace about leaving them, but over time, and by the day that I left, it was still scary, but I had a peace. He never assured me that I wouldn't lose my life. He would not tell me that because hmm. it had to be something that I was willing to give up. Mm-hmm. If I'm going to go into the world like he called his disciples. He didn't say it was going to be safe all the time. Yeah, I remember, and I know you've got a lot to get through, So, but I remember telling someone while you were gone, you know, there's a chance she might not come back. And they were like, oh, Taylor, don't, <laughs> don't say that. And I said, well, you don't go to a place like that and not be willing to accept that possibility. Yeah. You know, and, so and that's, that's hard for people to hear, yeah, but it's true. And that's, that's where I had to arrive is it, it is possible, but if he didn't give me assurance that nothing would happen to my life, he, it was a possibility, but he did assure me that if if I did lose my life, then that would be what my kids needed more mm. so than me. Mm. Which is so crazy of an idea, but God is completely sovereign yeah. over even that. Yeah. I mean, he would know if that's what they need to shape and mold them, to grow them, to be his followers, mm-hmm. that, you know... I mean, from ashes come beauty. So yes. it may have been just Nothing that. is wasted. So I just had to trust him. So it took me to a new level of trust. It's not what I wanted to happen. And I didn't really expect it to happen. I didn't go over there thinking that I, that would happen. But I had to accept it was a possibility. Because when you hear of Uganda, you hear third world and you hear um, it, just danger, disease, you know, crime. That's what 
third world means to most mm-hmm. of us. But I will say once I got there and once I made it to the actual village of Eden where we were staying, I felt completely safe. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they have it. Helping Hands has been there, and they've kind of got an establishment there. And they, We'll link them yes. in the description. And that is who I went with, and it was an excellent first mission, mission trip as far as feeling that security. And I've, I've told several people, once you get past the traveling, the most dangerous part is actually the vehicles once mm-hmm. you're in Africa because driving is pretty much, there's no traffic laws there. And so yeah. one, one minute it'll be a two-lane highway, but then you'll have three three lanes made because that's what people are just passing wherever they can. And it's just, I don't know how to explain it until you experience it. You said that the the hardest part of all of it was the travel. Yes. It took a long time to get there. Mm -hmm. And the time change alone was pretty, it'll do things to you. But even that was exciting and fun. And I knew that when my feet hit the ground in Africa, like it felt like a magnet. Like it, I, it, that's the only way I know how to explain it. It was no longer a call. The closer it got, I felt pulled. Wow. Um, so there's just so much there. And even in the travel, like I was just trying to be so intentional about not missing him and, and getting every bit that he had for me while I was there. Cause I still never, I mean, it was still hard to answer the why me mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and I, even the whole time. And I still don't know other than it was for me because mm-hmm. that's how much he loves us. Mm-hmm. Um, so when we got there, we were, there was so much that we got to be a part of and I can't go through it all. I'm going to try to keep this as short, but not leave out the big stuff. So we got to help with medical missions. We got to do, um, what they do is called Isangala Mm -hmm. services every Saturday. They feed helping hands feeds. It is a little under 2,000 kids every week. Mm-hmm. The particular Saturday I was there, that was closer to, I think, 1,500. Mm-hmm. The weather was, it was cloudy, and it was about 85 degrees, so everybody was cold. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Wow. So it kind of kept um, some, uh, not as many, but still, almost 1,500 kids that they fed, not just physically, but spiritually, and they do this weekly. And we'll put, we'll try and put some pictures up on our website, yeah. Elisa, too. It, and that was, that's what I had been hearing about before. So that was kind of one of those moments, like, oh my gosh, I cannot believe I'm here. Yeah. You know, and before it started, before all the 1,500 kids came, the volunteers that were there helping, some of the older youth that have come to America in the past with the Children's Choir, um, so some faces that I recognized, along with the full-time missionaries, we all got to huddle up, and, and they just sang, no instruments, just sang mm. and prayed, and I was boo-hooing. It was like the most surreal moment while I was there, like, oh my gosh, here I am. This like, is, that was one of the first things that, that you was, did was that moment? Uh-huh. We got there on, I think, a Friday, maybe a Thursday. I can't remember now. The days all ran together, but that was that Saturday, so it was pretty quick after we got there. Mm-hmm. We got to do Isangala, and... That's when it hit me, like, you are here. Yeah. You know, God got you here. How the heck are you here? <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> you came that far away. Yeah. And then, and that's kind of, it is, it's like 10,000 miles one way. I don't, I don't, wow. something like that. But, um, or at least the route we took. Through. Yeah. You go to Europe and then go south. Yeah. So it's, it's, it was a lot of miles traveled. You didn't take physically. the short part of the triangle, but right. still. Um. So that was the first thing we got to be a part of. And then the next day was Sunday. So they have regular church services at their church in the village. 
and people from outside the village get to come. And so we got to do that. And then a, and an older youth girls Bible study that evening, kind of fellowship with some of the, the residents, the full-time residents and volunteers there. And that is what we do often here. And so that was just, it felt comfortable and mm-hmm. it was, it was truly fellowshipping with. When you say residents, you're talking about uh, young Ugandan kids who, mm-hmm. live, who live at the village at of Eden the village. and go to school there. Because they have an orphanage there okay. too on the village. They have a medical clinic. So they open up the school and the medical clinic to not just the residents, but mm-hmm. they also have residents there. And um, then some of the kids that have kind of grown up there are actually working there now, too. They they employ a lot of the locals mm-hmm. and adults, too. They have house moms and people working at the medical clinic and teachers. And um, so it they they're doing just awesome, amazing things. So when we weren't in the village, when we would go outside the village, we spent most of our time doing child sponsor visits. So um, Taylor and I actually sponsored two children through Helping Hands, and I got to meet them both. So the small group that we were with, anyone who had a, a, a child that they sponsored, got, we got to go to their homes or to their schools, and we got to actually meet them and see where, how they lived and meet some of their family. And every, every time we went somewhere, so if I went and I met with one of our, our kids, the rest of the group was kind of going around in the area sharing the gospel. There was not one thing that we did where the gospel was not shared. Mm. It was all very intentional. And it really gets you out of your comfort zone pretty quick. Mm. But it's also the first thing we did where we got to really go to strangers and share the gospel was those medical missions. And so you, there's a language barrier. You got a translator, and it's kind of awkward at first, but in a lot of ways, it's almost easier. So it grew me in that faith too, just being able to walk up to somebody and say, "Do you know Jesus?" Mm-hmm. I mean, how often do we do that? Right. And we have the liberty to do that here. Mm-hmm. Um, to, real quick, what are some of the some of the? I know you've mentioned it's shocking for some people here. What are some of the things you saw at the medical missions? Um, let's see, there was a lot of women and children, um, mostly women and children. There was some Muslim women there that had brought their kids. And when you would go, they're very peaceful. I did not come. There's a lot of Muslims in the area, but I don't, I didn't meet one that was not peaceful and Mm -hmm. they were very receptive and hospitality Mm -hmm. was very important to them. Mm -hmm. Um, so some of the Muslim women that I didn't get to talk to them, but some of the group that was with me did said that while they were in a crowd of people, they wouldn't talk because they knew that their husbands would not approve, even Mm. though they weren't there. If it word got back to them, the husbands would not approve. Um, But if you could kind of get them by themselves away from where people could hear them, Mm -hmm. they were more apt to say, yes, I actually know about this. I grew up as a Catholic. I've heard about Jesus, but I had to marry a Muslim. It's essentially what happens because it's very, yeah. Um, if you're not married by a certain age, then you, you kind of, that's how they survive. Yeah. And there's a lot of pressure in the culture for that. That They're dealing with things that we really don't and understand. So, yeah. I mean, and there's so, yeah, it's so hard to overcome all that. But um, I actually talked with a young Muslim girl, I'd say about 15 and old enough to understand. And her friends were were there and they actually accepted Christ mm-hmm. and she listened to the entire thing and would not even look at me in the eye. And that was the hardest thing mm-hmm. is just knowing that I, you know, it's like she wanted to, 
I could tell she was listening, but she didn't want to act like she was listening. Yeah. And so it was hard to walk away from that. And, and a lot of sickness too, right? A lot of... Yes. They would, um, they would test right on the spot. This is just a little pop-up tent medical missions that they do four or five times a year in a, in a location that the local authorities have given them permission to do. And so they could test right on the spot for HIV or malaria and they come not knowing that, that, that they have that, and they find out that day that they have it. So then they go to the next station where they can get some medicine and some counseling. Mm. And they do not leave without hearing the gospel. Mm-hmm. You know? So they come for help, and they do get help physically. But, um, they have vaccines available, too, that they do there. Um, so that is an awesome thing that they do. And the child sponsorships was certainly special to meet the kid that we have been sponsoring and writing letters and getting pictures for the past several years. They're on our refrigerator. They, you know, they write these letters, but to them, it's not, they hear, okay, people from America are helping, we're going to write this letter. But when I could tell, I really got to spend a lot of time with one of our kid, his name is Mukisa, and I got to hang out with him three days that I was there, and we really kind of, I could, that relationship was connected and, um, and I could just tell there was something, it made it real for him. Mm-hmm. Like, not that we're doing this for him, but that God has yeah. orchestrated this, that this, this person from across the world is helping support a little bit financially, but she came to see me. Yeah. She, you know, it was <laughs> special to him. Yeah. And it was special to me. I mean, he actually blessed me more than I think I could you, ever you bless him. You gave him your Bible, right? Yes, he came to that Sunday service church. I don't think he normally comes back to Isangal or back to the village of Eden to go to Sunday church all the time. But I think because I was there, he he made sure to come. And so we sat next to each other during church service, and he didn't have a Bible when we were reading scripture. I said, "Do you have a Bible?" And he said, "No." And before it was over, I was like, here, just take it. Yeah. <laughs> you can and have it. That's kind of a funny backstory, but you spent like three months shopping for the perfect it Bible. It had my name on it and everything. <laughs> but I wrote him and, in the in the cover, I wrote him a letter before I gave it to him. And that's how we communicated a lot because they yeah. English is technically their native language. Like all the signs you may see, there's a couple of billboards we saw that it's in English. Um, but... You know, there's so many different languages. Mm-hmm. Swahili is one of the one of the major ones, but there's tribal languages that are spoken. But in school, they learn English, but it's more written. You know, mm-hmm. and so when they hear me say it, say it, especially in Southern dialect, it gets lost. So we would communicate more by writing than actually speaking. Um, so that was amazing. And then we also got to do um, hut-to-hut evangelism and bush church services. So that is just what it sounds like. <laughs> Churches in the middle of the bushes in Africa. And some of them have buildings, but even we went to two that had an actual building set up, but we ended up outside on one of those services anyway. So they don't need a building. They just kind of come. They walk around the different huts, and a hut is, we'll try to put some pictures up. It exactly looks like what it sounds like. And that was an awesome experience. Um, those were that was basically the gist of how we spent most of our time there. And then there was one off day, and I really wanted to talk about this day because it was really one of the most profound moments while I was there. Um, I was feeling really guilty about having an off day because I was I meant that this was not going to be a vacation. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I wanted it to be um, very consumed with 
with just spending time with the Lord and sharing His Word and serving His people. And so on our off day, they tell us they have this touristy activity planned to go hiking at Sippy Falls. And that is the kind of stuff that I love, anything that will get me out in nature. And so I was feeling really guilty about I didn't want to have more fun on my off day than the work days, you know. And so it was just our small group and some of the full-time missionaries went. And so when we got there, it was just us and a couple of locals that kind of worked there, and they were our guides. And so, again, I just decided, you know what, this is God's creation. I'm going to enjoy it, and it is what it is. And before we were even 100 feet in, there was all these young teenage, maybe I'd say anywhere from 14 to 20 years old, these young men would come up and just seemingly out of nowhere off the side of the mountain, it seemed like, and they would be there to assist us. Mm. And this is something they do regularly with the tour so that they can get tips. But all of a sudden here, God just granted us these dozen or so souls to witness to. Mm -hmm. And so we literally got to walk on a little journey with them and walk up and around and through this mountain, and it was just absolutely gorgeous. And I knew that this one young guy, he was kind of staying by my side, so I knew God had assigned him to me for a purpose. But it was really hard to want to do anything but take in the scenery because it was um, just, I, pictures will not do it justice. Every, anybody who's seen the ocean or seen mountains know how, how much it just it proclaims mm -hmm. his glory. Mm -hmm. You know, the Psalms say that the heavens declare his glory and all day long, every day, they're just shouting his glory. Mm -hmm. And it just hit me that, you know, these young boys get to see this every day and these mountains are working really hard to try to say, hey, look at my creator, not me, you mm -hmm. know. And it's so powerful, but yet it doesn't compare to the power of the Word of God that we have in us. Yeah, that's awesome. And this particular day, um, one of the young girls that went with us had rededicated her life while on this mission trip, and it worked out that she was able to get baptized at the top of this waterfall. And so it was the perfect time, and more people, more locals, like literally at the top of this waterfall, there was a farm up there. There was a coffee and all kind of different things. And so people would just come out of nowhere and they would hear I mean white people kind of stand out so <laughs> if <Uganda>. they <laughs> they see us like people it, it draws a crowd what do they sometimes. call us mazungos mazungos <laughs> and um so all of a sudden like there was an audience and when um one of the pastors that was with us went to baptize Kate he shared the gospel about five minutes or so and he did it so simply it wasn't anything extravagant. It was simple and beautiful. And at the top of that waterfall, in the middle of the African mountains, Uganda mountains, a soul was saved and baptized on the spot. Wow. I mean, it was just everything in one, and it was just, just inspiring. And it just reminded me that day, here I was feeling guilty, and a soul got saved and baptized mm -hmm. while we were there on our off day. So we don't really ever have an off day. Mm. You know, we are always on mission. Doesn't matter if you're at work, you're at vacation, you're, um, at, I don't know, at the drive through window. It doesn't matter where you're at. You really are always on mission. And so he reminded me of that for sure on that day. Um, but if I had to summarize this trip into one thing, 
it would have to be movement. I mean, that would be one word that I could use to describe because we were literally always on the move. Um, and then even when I went to sleep, y'all were awake, wide awake in the middle of your day. We were almost on opposite time zones. And so I was thinking about my loved ones that was kind of far away. <laughs> and yet God, y'all were awake while I was sleeping and God never slept, you know. So he is always <laughs> on the move. And I know that we've always known that, but suddenly that reality was more true. Um, and then just all the other ways that he has moved in my heart. And then I looked up, because really the church is, is the one, the body that needs to be moving. So... Here's some statistics that I found about missions in general. Um, I think it's missionsstatistics.org, but they have looked at, I've looked at a lot of data and the trends are pretty similar. Um, so I'm just going to read this. As of 2018, the number of Christians worldwide was about 2.2 billion. And of those, there were only an estimated 400,000 full-time missionaries. And there are still over 6,000 people groups with a total population of more than 3 billion people who are unreached and have never heard the message of Jesus Christ. This does not include the what they call the unevangelized people groups who the gospel may have reached, but the majority of their population, which is over 700 million, are still unsaved. So there's a lot of people who still need to hear the gospel. Mm -hmm. They may have heard it once, but they are not being discipled. Took more, more than once for me. Yep. You know. Um, so when you do the math, which I'm not good at math, that is less than a half a million Christians doing a large part of the work to spread the gospel to three billion people. Mm -hmm. If you look at just the Muslim religion alone... There are approximately 1.7 billion Muslims and only 4,200 Christian missionaries working in those regions. That breaks down to one missionary for every 405,000 Muslims. Wow. And the ratios aren't much better for other religions either, or even non-religious groups. Um, so not only does God need his church to be moving <laughs> for the unbelievers, for the ones who haven't heard the gospel. He also wants us to move, and, and Tony touches on this a lot, so I won't mention it, but he he needs us to move for our brothers and sisters who are out there working. They need help, mm. you know? And I know he's not calling everybody to be a full-time missionary. I don't feel like he's calling me to be a full-time missionary. Not yet, anyways. Mm -hmm. um, but in some way, he's calling his church to support missions, mm. global missions. Mm. And I realize we have a call for our neighbors across the street and around the block too. That I'm not saying we need to exclude them, but it is just alarming how little we are doing for the poorest of the poor. Mm. Okay, here is what a lot of the church, capital C church, specifically American churches, are currently doing to support the Great Commission. Over the past 15 plus years... Like I mentioned, the, the trends are very similar. From Data from 1999 to 2008 are all basically the same percentages. Um, but the most specific breakdown was from a 2011 study, and it looked like this. 85% of church funds, which is the tithes and offerings, go toward internal operations. 
um, 50% to salaries, 22% to the building, and 13% to utilities and supplies. The remaining 15% was used for outreach, and only 3% of that, that 15 was going to local missions and 2% going to overseas missions. 2% of 15%. Yes. Mm-hmm. I can't figure that math out of what that would be out of the whole tithe. but that's... Well, it, Yeah, well, here, I got that for you, actually. <laughs> um, so if, if a local member made $50,000 annually and tithed their 10%, they would be giving their 5000 a year to the church. And most churches, that would equate to $25.80 a year to help overseas. Out of five grand, out of five grand, twenty roughly twenty five dollars and yeah. change is spent on international missions. Yes, and it's not much more for even local missions that we're doing. So the church is using not every church. Let me well, add that disclaimer. Church, the average, the church. average church is using most of its money to feed itself. Mm. And here we know the truth is that when we feed others, that's really when we get fed, Hmm. you know? Give and it shall be given. Yes. And, and that means physical food and spiritual food. What would you say? Because there's people going to listen to this right now and they're going to say, well, you have to, you have to do that in order to be able to give and you have to build the local body to be able to like, how, how do you, how would you respond to that? I don't have all the answers. I'm not going to pretend that I do. All I know is that I just don't believe that when we get to heaven and God has given us all these resources, he's going to be pleased with how we're handling them. Mm. You know, and it's it's like the talents. What did you do with them? I mean, if he's given you a little, he still wants you to use it. If he's given you a lot, he expects even more out of it, you mm-hmm. know. And we've been given so much here in the Western American church. And we're using it on ourselves more than anything. And I think that goes back to the title of the message. It seems so far away and there's so many people here that need our help and our attention. Well, we're not even doing that well. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I mean, if the church was doing their job, probably we wouldn't need the government programs that we have to have now. Yeah. And most Christians don't tithe. And that was a whole nother thing I didn't even go yeah, into. Yeah, I mean, that's the money you're talking about yeah. is just assuming that we're taking the mm-hmm. Word of God seriously and that we are giving. Now, there you don't have to tithe to a church. You can tithe, yeah. give your fir- first you portion. Should, you should know where your money's going. So if you're tithing to your church, it is it is important that... Right, know. but my point is, is that you shouldn't feel locked into having to give all of your tithe to a church. If a, if a homeless person who's got a, a baby and no food and no clothes comes up and they need something, yeah. you don't have to give it to the church and then tell them to turn around. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like you can be the direct hands and feet of Jesus using your tithe for the needs that come across your path. But that being said, most Christian people do not tithe. Yeah, not their 10%. They may give some, but not the 10%. And then we sh- we really should be doing over 10%. Right, 10% is <laughs> an, an Old Testament number, yeah. and Jesus said... Basically, it's, you shouldn't be locked into a number. It should be that and more. It should be. It's a measure of your faith, really. And that is an area he's walked me through a lot over the years. That has not hadn't been an easy thing for me at all. And this is something we can talk about with a completely clean conscience, knowing we're not asking for any money <laughs> right now. 
you know? Yeah. Some preachers get nervous about preaching about tithing because people are like, oh, well, he just wants my money, but we don't want your money. Yeah. I, I want <laughs> you to send it to the Great Commission. <laughs> but um, the same the same one that kind of broke down, the same uh, source that broke down a lot of these statistics made these hypothetical observations that I thought was just really good. Um and I quote, they said, the church has, that again is the capital C church, the church has roughly 3,000 times the financial resources and 9,000 times the manpower needed to finish the Great Commission. Wow. And why? That is shocking. I, it begs the question, why, why should that be so important? Why is that pressed on my heart right now? And why should that be so important to believers and yes, I have gone on this mission trip, so it's at the forefront of what I've been experiencing. But, you know, first of all, we were supposed to, we should have a heart to help save souls. That is the commission. It's not just about spreading the word. It's about every soul that's behind that message that is, we're saving them from an eternity in hell. Um, but if that's not enough, then listen to what Jesus says. He says in Matthew twenty four fourteen. And this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. So right now, he's, he is patiently waiting on his church to finish what the first disciples started 2,000 years ago. He's waiting on us to deliver the good news, and then and only then, he said, will he come back to claim his bride. And then all things will made, be made heaven on earth, you know. Mm -hmm. That's when things will be perfect. And I know that, I know the church is anxiously awaiting that day. Mm -hmm. So if that's you, then this is our task, you know. Yeah. I, I, I think that you're right that God in many ways is looking at us and asking the question, what are y'all doing? Mm -hmm. And, you know... Next week, I've already kind of gotten the title for next week's message um, podcast. It's a picture of a, bin a binary code is the, is the image, and it's binary is uh, on or off. It's one or zero. Mm -hmm. It's a choice, too. And you talk about movement being your key word. And in the kingdom, there is only movement. There's either forward movement or there's backward movement. Mm -hmm. There is no such thing as standing still in the kingdom. So we may convince ourselves that we're just standing still, but yes. actually we're moving backwards if we're not moving forward. And another thing he really showed me is that when the church has a clear mission, they move united. Mm. And that is how the world really recognizes him. He says that in scripture too. You know, They will see you, they will see you united, and then they will believe that I've been sent, and y'all will be united as me and the Father are united. Yeah, they will see your love for each other and believe yes. that what you say is true. They'll believe that I am real because of the love you have for and, each other. And, and helping unity. hands, I got to witness that firsthand. They have full-time missionaries that were there, and so you have us coming from South Georgia, and then we had um, other Americans that were full-time missionaries there. You have the Ugandans that are there. And then uh, you had Germany missionaries, um, German missionaries. You had some from Ukraine, Colombia, Bolivia. I, I want to say a couple others. So people literally from all over the world representing the church, working together. And we did not agree on every aspect 
I didn't say it. We, did, we didn't need to. I heard someone talking about maybe baptism and the way they do it. And, you know, you can get lost on all those little details. We didn't have to agree on every matter, but we were united on what mattered the most, mm-hmm. and that was to spread the gospel. So you're saying that missions also helps us achieve the unity Jesus mm-hmm. wanted us to have because we're unified by our mission. Yeah, it's a clear mission. You know, it's not, oh, well, let's get this program going over here. Well, how do you think we should do this? How do you think? No, this is pretty simple and straightforward. You know, let's get up. Let's go tell the gospel. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> let's love on people. We're not arguing about the color of the blinds mm-hmm. and what youth curriculum to use and no. any of that. No. no. They don't even argue about what time church starts. When we were doing hut-to-hut evangelism, and we were, you know, they were like, well, make sure you invite them after you witness to them that we'll be over here at this bush church. Make sure you invite them. I was like, well, what time do I tell them to come? They said, it's African time. They'll, they'll whatever. <laughs> they'll hear it. <laughs> you can't tell them in time. I said, okay. So. That's like a phrase or whatever? <laughs> yes. On African time. Africa time. It's not like beach time. It's not like you go and you're just chill. But I mean, they. I don't. I don't guess. I don't know. It just is. It just is. <laughs> Man, I wish I could be on Africa time. <laughs> it was. Um. It was an amazing experience, and that is just. I feel like half of what he showed me. I feel like I could talk forever about this. Well, br- summarize it again in in like two or three bullets, real okay. quick. What the, the takeaways? Uh, the takeaways was that, first of all, God is always moving, even when we're still. He's moving in multiple ways that we cannot imagine. You don't know when he's moving in somebody else's heart. Mm. Um, I think the church, the next takeaway would be that the church is more united when the mission is clear. And I think that it's time, I think, that he's calling his capital C church to a renewed mission like the early church was you know i I pray that we're going to see less (laughs) frou-frou didn't Mm -hmm. i use that word last week (laughs) you did Uh, less frou-frou in our churches and more back to the basics getting outside the building and and being the hands and feet Mm. not a not decoration and pomp and circumstance Mm -hmm. but just getting to work telling the good news of the gospel yes Absolutely. Well, I know that is. There's so many things that that you want to share, and that we don't have time for. But that is awesome, and it is challenging, and it's hard to hear. Um, and I don't. I don't know what to do other than to look in my own mirror. Um, we've talked about trying to set aside more of our tithes specifically for missions. That may be a place where someone can start. Um, and you mentioned something, instead of assuming God doesn't want me to go, we should assume that he does, since that's the Great Commission, yeah. and then if he doesn't want us to go, he'll tell us. Yeah, so instead that, of saying, why me, it would be, why not me? Yeah, so just considering the possibility that God may be inviting us as individuals to go, um, and just a renewed commitment to making our passion line up with God's passion, which is yeah. reaching the world reaching the world um, with the gospel. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think he's calling more people to take a mission trip um, than we think. I'm not saying he's calling everybody to be full-time missionaries. I do think he's calling some people. But um, I know that the world still has to operate. Like, I mean, we've got a job here to do, and 
I would never assume what God's call is on somebody else's life, but I do believe he is calling more of his children to go support those full-time missionaries Mm -hmm. by showing up. Yeah. Well, you know, a scary verse. I, I don't know if I should even say this on the podcast, but there's the verse where Jesus says, don't cast your pearls before the swine. And what Jesus meant in that verse was, don't waste your time on people that are going to trample on the good news. Yeah. And so, we, what we if... we got to discern that. Well, what if we as Americans have become the swine? Yeah. Oof. You know? Could you do a whole podcast I mean, that alone. That, that's scary. We do not want to be the kind of people that, that God says, you know what? They don't need me. Let's don't waste time building the kingdom in these American places because they don't really need me or want me. So let's move mm-hmm. in places that are seeking me in places where I have the liberty to do or what I want. Especially the places that they have never heard the name of Jesus. Mm-hmm. They haven't even had that opportunity yet to say no. Mm-hmm. You know, and I know God is sovereign over all of that. Um, and that, that people die without ever hearing that name, but that should break our hearts. That should. shouldn't make us be like, oh, well, that should make us feel that sense of urgency that, you know, eternity is forever, but here is not. You know? Right. Well, we're going to take a short break, and when we come back, we're going to speak with a very close friend of ours who um, lives in Uganda and works with children choirs, um, gospel children's choirs, and it just is an awesome guy. An amazing testimony. Yes. Yeah, so please stay tuned and listen to his testimony. I was literally crying on this side of the microphone. Yes. He couldn't tell. You won't be able to hear it, but I was. He it was, was boo-hooing. It was boo-hooing. It's, it's so powerful. <laughs> it really is. So stay tuned. We'll be right back. Okay, welcome back. Uh, We have a very special guest with us today, joining us all the way by phone from Uganda. Uh, Mr. Tony Mboa is a musician and choir director and works for and with several ministries out of Uganda. Uh, He is uh, on the front lines of uh, preaching the gospel and advancing the kingdom of God in Uganda. Tony, thank you for joining us. Thank you, brother. Thank you. Thank you for inviting I appreciate it. Yes. Mm-hmm. Tony is a very, very close friend of ours. We've had the honor of hosting him in our home several times um, as him and his uh, choir that he was working with traveled to Uganda. I mean, traveled from Uganda to America. Um, I've had the privilege of playing music and singing with Tony. And um, I really, that's something I will never forget um, seeing the bow harps being oh. played in our den. <laughs> it was just amazing. Really? Really? Um, really you know, I tell people all the time, and I know, Elisa, you, you agree with this, outside of or second only to my salvation and me being uh, saved by Jesus, um, meeting, meeting the choir, meeting Tony changed me forever. Amen. Yes. Thank changed me forever. I've been saying for a long time that, that it may be more profitable for for some of the kids from Uganda to come be missionaries over here instead of us always going over there. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> they have the joy of the Lord. Yes. Oh, you know, you know better how it started. America has sent so many missionaries to Uganda. 
So, you know, you cast your bread upon waters, it will come back to you. Amen. In a way, you know, that you've planted in Uganda, it, 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 you'll be amazed what God is going to do. It's going to germinate, and sooner or later, you'll have many testimonies out of Uganda within mainland USA sharing with you and encouraging the body of Christ. Amen. I think it's all in God's Amen. And that yeah. is something that I wanted you to speak to, and that may just be it right there, but... I wanted to start, Tony, with um, something that left a huge impact on me. And I tell this story. Uh, it's really not my story to tell. It's your story to tell. But I try and tell this story as much as God allows me to. Uh, you shared with us your first time visiting a uh, very powerful testimony in our kitchen. And uh, I, I can see it in my mind. I will never forget it. And it's the story of your childhood and what you went through uh, as a child uh, in Uganda and how the church was beginning. Um, And would you be willing to share a little bit of that story, Uganda story, the church in Uganda and and how your childhood was? God be exalted. God be glorified. Uh, It's a long story, but I'm going to be kind of try to, to revisit my summary. I don't know whether I passed so well on that in school, but I think I'm going to do my work. <laughs> but yes, you're right. Uganda is a, is a nation that has been through too much turbulence. And, uh, you know, you're talking about traditionalists, you're talking about Muslims, you're talking about uh, uh, so many forces in, in, in the air trying to, cause hindrance and and God's visit into this land. But one thing I'm grateful about God is he's always had a grip on us and he's always, you know, kind of reached out to make us a better country. But he has used so many people, people from Canada, USA, Europe, and uh, particularly in the church where I, I, I fellowship, the Canadians and Americans came and planted a church. After seeing a great vision uh, of a flame in the middle of the map of Africa, and the flame was really right in the middle of of the map of Uganda. Mm -hmm. And that's where it all began. It all started that God had called them to come and minister and plant churches and evangelize in Uganda. And now those were the days when we were having so many political turbulence and uh, uh, things were bad, you know, there were religious wars, uh, regimes were not stable, you know, every like uh, after a few years or months, a government would change. And uh, being a child, I remember uh, seeing the struggle, uh, people running, you know, uh, things burning, houses burning, blitz flying everywhere. Mm. But, you know, I remember my father was always on the move with other, along with other pastors that were trained by the missionaries from America and USA. They were always moving throughout the country, planting churches. And being a little boy, you kind of mature uh, in situations which are hard. You never settled in one place. You are always uh, living in your bag and uh, there's no income for the family. So I was a young boy, but my mind was speed up to to understand that something was not right. But at the same time, 
I, I was quickened to interpret things spiritually because my mother and my father will always pray and clap their hands and sing and dance before the Lord. And it was confusing to us most of the times because we were never in school for the most part of the time and we were we were not living in a in a in a in a home which uh, which was uh, permanent and sometimes you know you'd find yourselves uh, camping in the bushes and uh, mm. uh, you depended on uh, on friends around the village to bring in food or anything but you know it, 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 again the church became came under attack, and the government of Idi Amin really that was a dictator persecuted the church. Many pastors were killed, and uh, churches were closed. Missionaries were being chased out of Uganda, and uh, I remember my, my father collaborated a lot with the missionaries, and whoever was collaborating with the missionaries was uh, uh, an enemy, and. Uh, he lost his life because he was working with the missionaries, uh, spreading the good news of Jesus Christ around the country, and along with other pastors. Now life really uh, took uh, the worst uh, toll of, of everything. I mean, we, we didn't have much when they were around, but they didn't, uh, their joy was also taken away from us. When you lose a, a father then again, that is the worst because he used to make us happy. Even when we're hungry, he would uh, make us laugh, you know? Mm. So I remember there's this one time he was uh, warned. Some neighbor came and said, you better run. The, the rebels are coming or the soldiers of that particular regime, they are coming, you better hide. So he took and hid us in the bush. And I remember... Uh, when we were in the bush, he had forgotten some important documents in the church. I think it had so many names of the, the pastors and missionaries. So he had to run back and get that uh, file. But he didn't make it out of the church. I mean, they, they as he was trying to run out, they, they, they shot him. They dragged him in the middle of the street. And uh, they, they shot him right in the middle of the street. But... One thing that is encouraging, the people that were hiding nearby had him beg and say, let me say the Lord's Prayer before you kill me. I, I, that was very touching. Even up to now, I recall it as like as if it's being told to me uh, right now. Mm. I was a boy. I, I, I was amazed. So father prays the Lord's Prayer and then they shoot him. And then uh, after some few minutes, some people come running, your, your father is dead, pastor is dead, pastor is dead. So we come back. But of course, the, the whole community was in chaos and uh, there were bullets all over, you know, gunshots in the area. So we had to bury him hurriedly, you know, and then we had to continue in the bushes and, and hide. Now. Again, things became worse. Our mother could not take care of us. Past, many pastors uh, that were friends to my father were also in hiding. Some were being killed. And uh, the relatives, the few relatives we, we knew or my mother knew, uh, kind of took us. So we were distributed. Uh, my sisters went to another house. I went to another house. And we're talking about distances. And chances are you will never be able to meet 
because when you are young and you're kind of divided so early and then you grow up in different homes, the bond is, is, is fragile. You can't, and, and uh, basing on the problems too, chances are slim that you would even survive. But uh, I thank God it was a tough journey. But you know, when the, when the, when the, when the situation started to clear, uh, a few friends of, uh, of our father gathered and they started looking for us. And uh, when they found us, they put us in, a, in an organization uh, which, is, which took all of us in. But it was also a miracle. Because mm-hmm. little did I know that I'll never see my brothers uh, and my sisters. So I, I find myself in an orphanage and I'm, I see familiar faces. And I'm like, no way. These are my sister. This, that's my brother. So we did, and many people in the orphanage, the, the, the kids there, even the adults, the chaperones that were taking care of us, didn't know that we are even siblings, apart from the directors uh, that, 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 that brought us in. So it was a miracle. We met again, and uh, God used uh, people like you from America to, to take us into school. And then uh, an opportunity came. We, we, we joined a choir that toured uh, USA, Canada, and Europe, and we made so many friends. Sponsorship came. So God used the choir, the songs we sang, even to create opportunities for so many other children uh, back home. Schools were built, hospitals were built, and, uh, you know, more evangelists came, more missionaries came. I, I, I thank so God. It was, I, I thank God so much. It was a rough path, but he knew what he was doing in the end. I, 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 I don't know whether I've done a good summary, Tyler, but... <laughs> I, I am, that story never ceases to, to... It just, it gets so deep in me when you tell that story, Tony. I just cannot Amen. tell you. I just... Yeah. It, it just is it a powerful Amen. testimony of not only what God can do, but also of your faith. And it is just an inspiration to anyone who knows you. Mm. It, it really is. Tony, that, that leads me to my next question, which you've touched on a little bit. Um, we've heard this, your story as a child. We've heard this, the early story of uh, the church under the dictatorship um, of Idi Amin. Uh, where, what, from your perspective, because I see you as kind of a good um, barometer of 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 the church in Uganda because you are so active in ministry there. Where does the church, the capital C church, the body of Christ currently stand in Uganda uh, in terms of missions, in terms of um, the political um, wins of the day as the government uh, supporting Christianity? Is it neutral to Christianity? Um, what struggles are there? Where, where does the church stand now in Uganda? Oh, Tyler and Elisa, this is this is a brilliant question, and uh, I, I will answer it with all gratitude and thanksgiving. I've been, I've, I thank God that I've been able to see both. You know, I've seen the worst of Uganda, uh, wars, uh, had poverty and uh, disease, but poverty is still a big challenge. Diseases are, are still a big challenge. 
But I tell you, the freedom of worship mm. is amazing because mm -hmm. it's not the way it was. It was 20 years ago, even more, 30 down the road. So I thank God that the, the, the religious atmosphere, I wouldn't call it religion because we are born again. We have a relationship with God, our Father. I mean, the, the, the church has grown so much. You know, it was always uh, Christians versus Muslims, you know. Mm -hmm. Now the churches are many. Schools that have got Christian principles are, are built. Hospitals under missionaries and churches also run by missionaries. So, I mean, the freedom of worship has benefited actually the, the Christian, the Christian uh, movement. I mean, the, the, the atmosphere is good. Missionaries are coming in. Uh, thank, thanks to God, Elisa was here with a group. And uh, Tyler, I think I'm going to see you very soon as well. <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> the doors are open and, and people are bold preaching, you know, from one area to another, one region to another, one church to another. Before, everything was under scrutiny, and uh, the church was always like a threat to any political move. But I, I thank God for the organizations like Helping Hands. They, they built a school, they built an hospital, but they also put up a church, and uh, they put up so many churches. I thank God for the African Children's Choir. They also do the same. And you talk about new beginnings, you talk about full gospel missions to Uganda. There's so many, so many, so much move of God in this land. So I can see the growth. The blood was shed, but thank God it wasn't in vain. Amen. Thank God it wasn't. That's, I love how you said yeah. that, the move of God over there. That's exactly, while I was there, Amen. that was the one word that he kept speaking into my heart was movement, and he hasn't let that go yeah. yet. I mean, his, he is moving in, in just unspeakable yes. ways. It is just amazing to witness how he's working. Um, one more question we had for you, Tony, was it just kind of this whole thing is about missions, and that's why we wanted to bring you in because yeah. you've seen both sides of it. So what if you could mm -hmm. kind of summarize, what do you think is important for the church? Again, the capital C, Americans, you mentioned um, Canadians, Europe, all over why do you think missions yeah. are so important for the church and for the body? I, I, had it not been for missionaries, I don't think I would have a future now, you know? And I don't think I would also share the love they gave me to, to my brothers and sisters in this country. So, I mean, missionaries in the first place, it's, it's kind of a way of God bringing let me call it the body of Christ, right. bringing it together. Mm. So when you're in America, you're in Canada, you're in Europe, um, and I'm able to visit America, that, that's amazing because you may be speaking English, but we speak the language, the heavenly language together. You are able to see Christ in me. I'm able to see Christ in you. Then we have a good fellowship and we celebrate our Lord Jesus. Oh, so it, it, it's kind yeah, it's kind of like God telling us we are not strangers to one another. Mm. So me, visiting may seem actually to be expensive, but the experience alone, you can you cannot put a number to it. Mm. A smile, a word of encouragement, 
the reading of scriptures, we got different revelations. The way you can, you may come and share, Tyler and Elisa, you may share in different perspectives and revelations I've never had before, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and, and that's the way the Lord can encourage me to grow, but also to, to bond me with the rest of the body. And uh, believe me, I think heaven is not going to be full of strangers. Mm-hmm. We'll be talking about it. <laughs> talking so the true. same mm. and it's amazing and I, I appreciate God is doing it on earth that uh, he connects us from one continent to another but you know whenever you, you come uh, somebody's healed somebody gets saved mm. so it's it's more to it uh, the sharing is, is, is uh, encouraging I mean some people almost nearly commit suicide but when the missionary goes by, little do they know that they were sent that way by God. And mm-hmm. then you find somebody kind of testifying, I was going to kill myself today. <laughs> you know? Wow, wow. <laughs> There's just so many things, from, so many yeah, things God is doing, we smile. don't know. Yes, but the smile from this uh, American brother or that European brother has kind of brought me back to my senses. I remember a few weeks ago, I visited some place in uh, in Uganda, kind of hundreds of miles away, and uh, th- there was an old lady with uh, with a grandchild, uh, a boy. Uh, she asked God that morning, uh, uh, and I didn't notice that I want to see your glory today. Show me your glory. Little did I know that me and my friend, we were the glory that wow. visited her in the evening. <laughs> and then she was clapping her hands and dancing around and saying, I've seen God's glory. Tyler, I can't believe this. Wow. I said, I, I'm so, how can I appear or represent God's glory? So, you know, she was satisfied by that. So missionary activity or work strengthens the brothers in so many ways. Mm. Not only spiritually, but also financially, spiritually. You're talking about so many things. Mm. That's so good. The first time you came to stay with us, I have told people ever since then that I felt closer to you, Mm. who I just met, who was across the world. We look different. We talk different. Um, we were, we live differently, but I felt closer to you than mm-hmm. some people down the street from me, from my all, you know, there's just an instant connection with God's people. And I have yet to even meet your beautiful wife in person, but I mean, we feel connected with I her can. too. We're all family. Amen. And she says, thank you. The God said, thank you. The gift you left with us. I, I mean, big hearts. Thank you so much. <laughs> Tony just had—he and his wife just had twins not too long ago. They have two older girls, yeah. but they are—they are staying so busy, and, yes. and they have a beautiful yeah. family. God is working through. Well, Tony, I mean, there, was, you, yeah. there was one more quick, quick question that I wanted to ask you. Um, I mentioned in your intro mm-hmm. that you are a musician. And uh, real quick, yeah. for those uh, of, uh, of, the, of our audience that are listening that want to uh, listen to some Ugandan gospel music, um, right. could you talk just a little bit about the, the music God has birthed through you and where we, you know, we can put a link in our description of where they can go and, and download your music if it's available online. You know, again, it's through missionaries, uh, loving people like you I've met. 
uh, growing up, you know, I've I've always listened to Michael W. Smith, Steve Curtis Chapman, and others. And I tell you, these these men are full of the Holy Spirit. And uh, you just don't listen to music. You, you listen to worshipers. And kind of they squeeze you in the corner to also have a hunger and a thirst to, to talk to God the way they do and not make it entertainment. You understand? Mm-hmm. So I've listened to them play guitars, kind of like you, Tyler. I've listened to them sing. It's, they've always been an inspiration. And then on top of that, there are other uh, musicians in Uganda that have always played uh, instruments and sang in the churches. So they've always, you know, kind of helped me grow in uh, in um, in uh, trying to make up joyful noise or mm-hmm. uh, wonderful piece music to the Lord. Yes, and, and I remember in the camp. Mm-hmm. That's another form of that heavenly language you were talking about. Amen. Amen. And I remember missionary groups would come uh, in primary school, and uh, I think that's elementary for you, and uh, high school, and then we would have camps, and then uh, people would come with guitars from from USA, and then they would teach us a song or two. I mean, all the time along the way, this was inspiring to me. And uh, later, did I know that I could start uh, uh, writing a song, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, it could be in a native language, but I would also try to interpret it in a little bit. And uh, I then come up with a song. But I, I thank God I've been able to, to stand on different pulpits and, and share the songs and teach a song. And then uh, I've also worked with organizations like, you know, Tyler, I've trained choirs and uh, somehow I've been given the privilege uh, to slot in one of or two of my compositions. Uh, and, and that's how my testimony has really moved around. And uh, I thank God for that. I kind of try to keep it in, uh, in the blend of the Western uh, music and uh, the, the traditional music. Mm-hmm. And uh, if it's completely Western, then I'll try also to maybe... Uh, composite in in in, uh, in the local language or mm-hmm. the, lo- the 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 traditional language in, in the English language. So mm-hmm. it kind of spices up things or make things a little unique. Yes, somehow. Mm-hmm. Yes, and what probably the yes. biggest influence um, that I notice mm-hmm. in the with with the choirs yeah. that you work with. You know, um, yes. the the African beats are very very yes. present, and so it's Western. A lot of Western melodies combined with uh, um, African uh-huh. uh, drums. You know, yes. and he, That's right. what you said, it's 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 truly worship. It's not about entertaining. They when no, 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 when you're no. in Uganda yes. and you're getting played music, it's not about entertainment. <laughs> it is just truly <laughs> about worship. It is amazing. Well, Tony, we love you so much, man, and thank you so much for taking the time to speak with us. And um, I love you too. We will talk very soon. I'm going to ask you to hang on the line when we say bye for the podcast and let you speak to our daughter, who is just dying to speak with you. <laughs> but um, we will we'll say bye for now for the podcast, and then hopefully, you know, in the future, we may bring you back on or uh, try and get you to speak about worship or some other similar topic. But thank you again for joining us, no Tony. Problem. Thank you, Tyler. Thank you, Elisa, thank and you, thank brother. you for.
God bless you. God bless you. You inspire me. You bless me. Thank you. Amen. That was just such an amazing conversation with Tony. Um, I love him with every ounce of my being, and he inspires me and challenges me. Um, Just on a personal note, uh, the first time I ever heard Tony sing, I did not know the singing was coming from Tony. He was sitting in a corner in our den. I'm playing guitar. Two or three um, young Ugandan boys are playing bow harps and singing, and I hear the, the most beautiful high voice singing from the corner, and I couldn't figure out who it was. I looked over there, and it was him. Um, just such an amazing man of God, so passionate about the gospel, so loving. Um, I just cannot express how much I appreciate him and how much I love him, and, and we are just kindred spirits. Um, Elisa couldn't be here for the wrap-up of the podcast, but I know I'm speaking for her as well. Um, I thank him so much for coming on the show tonight and speaking to us, and I pray that something that was said or done during this podcast challenges each of us. Um, I will never forget after the first time I, I met the Ugandan choir, I went back to work and I could not get over it. I could not get over it. And I was just very, very upset. And uh, my students were like, what is wrong? What is wrong? And I just, I just told them, I'm just very upset. It makes me sad and angry at the amount of money that we waste, uh, both as Americans, both as uh, Christians, and they have nothing in Uganda. They have nothing. Now, to say they have nothing is not completely accurate, but by comparison to what we have. And we just could do so much for them. We could sow so much seed for the gospel and what we throw away in wasted food, that money alone could could make great strides for the gospel. And in my mind, the way I see things, there is zero excuse as an American Christian that has a job that we can't give in some way to that cause for Christ on Ugandan soil or on some overseas country that is being persecuted or that is struggling, that has great need. There's zero excuse. And I do think it is sinful that we as American people are not more involved in that and that we can't give $30 a month to sponsor a kid, that it could completely change that kid's life and it could bring them into the kingdom. I just, for $30 a month, I do. I think that there's zero excuse why any family uh, can't afford that. And I think that um, it's sinful. And I'll just say that, and I'm very passionate about it. And I think that God is calling His church to wake up and to see that. And may it never be said of us that we withdrew ourselves from the front lines of the fight for the gospel on the battlefields around the world. Um a day is coming where I think we're going to be forced to choose whether we're going to engage in God's kingdom fight or whether we're going to, you know, sit in our air conditioning and disengage. So I just challenge everyone that listen to this podcast to evaluate themselves. And um, may I never stop looking in the mirror. 
but I think there's some real changes that need to be made. I think there's some real um, tough questions that needs to be asked both personally um, as local uh, bodies of fellowship, um, churches around the United States. Uh, The statistics that Elisa gave are undeniable, and they're shameful, and we need to do something about it. And uh, if you are not willing to do something about it, then you need to be quiet because we have zero right to complain about um, religious liberties being suppressed in our country or uh, any issues going on. We have zero right to complain or gripe as a Christian if we're not willing to carry out the call of Jesus um, in our lives, period. So get involved or sit down and be quiet. Also, we're going to do our very best to post some music from Tony uh, on our website. His album is called Free, and we would love to be able to share that with with you guys. So keep checking the website, 2r1.org, for that music and also pictures from Elisa's trip. Uh, That's it for us today. We love you. We thank you uh, for joining us, and we just ask you you know, to join with us in this fight for the gospel around the world. And uh, we'll see you guys next week.